All right. Well, good morning again. We are going to be starting a new series today called Winning the Battle for Your Mind. It's a, this desire we have, this feeling that we have, a sense we have that we think one way or want to do life one way, but then there's something that's keeping us from doing that, telling us to not go in that direction. People talk about having the, the angel right on their shoulder or a demon on their shoulder. And, uh, you know, I, we were just talking about this last week, talking with somebody and mentioning, you know, sometimes I feel like I need to do this, but then I, no, no, I shouldn't do that. I need to do this. And I, I can tell you that there's no angel or demon on your shoulder telling you what to do or what not to do. The battle is not outside of you. The battle is actually inside of you, inside of me. What my heart and my mind wants to do against what it is that God wants to do. So what's, what's wrong with our minds? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And over the next several weeks, we want to talk about some specific areas where there's a battle that we face. And so what we're going to do is, as we kind of played it out, and I think we'll probably stick to the schedule pretty well, is that next week we want to talk about the fear of the future. Uh, people are really concerned about where we're going as a nation and our country and how things just seem to be dissolving and crumbling. So we want to talk about about that because our minds are fearful of that. Or we want to talk about a Mother's Day. We want to talk about worry and kind of relate it to, okay, what about the future of my children? And, and, and I'm scared for them and I'm worried and there's a battle in my mind over whether I can trust God with their future or not. Then we want to talk about after that, uh, negative self-talk is kind of the phrase people use today, but... Um, that leads into depression, that leads into anxiety. Much of what we see today in that area of depression and anxiety uh, has to do with how we think and what our focus is. And then we want to talk about um, addictions in kind of a general way. Um, again, addictions are basically trying to escape um, what we see our life is and what we may or may not like about our life. And so we seek to uh, um, find ways of escaping. And so we want to talk about those over the next several weeks. Now, I love this kind of series. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's like for me, I have a certain passion when I'm um, teaching. And if, if it's not marriage, it's this. It's helping people understand that there's a different way of doing life. There's a different way of thinking, a God-oriented way of thinking, that actually brings about into our lives the, the, what we're actually looking for. I'm not saying our lives get easier. I'm not saying all of our problems go away. But we have God's perspective. We have God's strength to take us through those, those times. He's the one who created us. So he's the one who knows what life is and how life should be lived. He's the one who's infinitely powerful. He's the one who has the wisdom that we need. And then he's given us the things that we're supposed to do in our own lives, in order for us to experience that. Now, sadly, for, for many, even those who would call themselves Christians, they're going to go ahead and, and kind of reject what God has to say. Even though this has been in place since the creation of the world, people have been following God's way of doing things since He created this world and have found His way successful, if you want to use the term of today. They, they've seen God at work. But there'll be people, I know, because this is where I kind of get bummed out, be it totally honest, they'll just reject what God has to say. And they'll, they'll go with what culture says they should do, what those who don't believe there's even a God would say to do. Um, 
And now my prayer is always that we don't do that, that we'll take God at his word and trust him and do those things. But for those of us who are willing to take a step of faith, to go against what we're telling ourselves and do what God says, we're going to find that God's way is going to give us victory in the battle and God's way is going to give us a sense of perspective and understanding and success, if you want to call it that, and how to move forward and be used by God to impact other people. So I want to challenge you to be here each week. Uh, You've seen the topics that we're going to cover. If you have people in your lives who are going through these difficult things, whether they're believers or not, uh, make sure they're here with us. Now, as we move forward, just, there's four overarching points. This is not my sermon, but these are just, I, there's just so much you can cover in this kind of stuff. But there's four overarching points as we think about the battle for our minds that we have to kind of nail down. We have to um, just believe God and His Word that these things are true and then move forward. So I just want to hit those things really quick and then we'll get into the main part of the message. The first one is this, and I've already kind of mentioned this God is Creator. We believe that there's a God, the God of the Bible, and He created us. He created you. Psalm 139 says, He's formed you in your mother's womb. He knows us inside and out. He's our our Creator. And so, He knows what's best. He knows the best way to do life. He knows the best way through these battles that we have. He's aware. He gets it. He understands it. And He's got a plan. Secondly, God created us for His glory. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll see our issues and we want to get through the issue. We, we don't want the issue. We don't want the battle. We don't want the pain. We don't want the irritation, the frustration, and all that kind of stuff. And so we come, we come at our issues very self-focused. Me, 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 I, 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 right? But God created us for His glory. And we've talked about what glory is. Glory is just basically God revealing who He is. All right, it's the simplest way of putting it. And so what he wants to do is through our battle, he wants to reveal that he's our provider, that he is our wisdom, that he is our strength, that he is the one who's going to work that all out for our good. Now, our good is spiritual growth, right? And that kind of thing. And so God created us for his glory. He wants to work in us so we know him, and then through us, reveal himself to others. So when people see us working through our problems, they're like, man, how are you doing that? Well, let me tell you about the God who's helping me do that. Okay. Third, sorry, these are kind of long. I tried to make them short. It wasn't working. I get paid by the word. So even the written word, when I write things down, I get paid for those too. Anyways, so God uses our mental, emotional struggles. So if you're not a believer, if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, God is using those to draw you to him so that you will find your answer in him, all right? He wants you to realize you can't do life all by yourself. A person may be going, I can't seem to do this. Right, you can't. God wants to be in your life. God wants you in his life. And so for, the, for non-believers, it's to draw them to him for salvation. For we who are believers is to make us more like Jesus Christ. Not that we become God, but that we, our character, the way we think, the way we respond, looks more like how Jesus responded responded on earth the way he thought all right and then fourth this is the hard one i think more than any of them it may bring god greater glory make you more effective in becoming more like christ and reaching other people by him not giving you a quick healing if you want to put it that or change in your life by not taking away that thing that's irritating you 
and frustrating you, the battle that you have in your mind, we have to understand that sometimes he leaves those things. Paul understands this. The Apostle Paul knew all about this. He prayed three times. And, and I'm sure when it comes to Paul, he says three times, but I bet you that was with fasting and you know, intense praying because he was a man of prayer. And he asked God, hey, take away, he called it a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was, but it was certainly a battle that he wanted removed. And God said, you know, I'm not going to do that. My grace is sufficient. Why? Because he wanted to keep Paul close to him. He didn't want Paul thinking that he could do this life on his own. And so he, he used it to keep him close. And so our battle in our minds, in our hearts, that thing that we're wrestling with, or things that we're wrestling with, he may not remove them right away. He may never completely remove them. Yeah, I think about this all the time. So I'm a guy who I deal with depression and being just down and discouraged. And, and so I, I've just come to terms. I don't think God's ever going to take that away from me because it keeps me close to him. It keeps me focused on thinking how he says I should think and not on how I think I should think. And so I've, I'm in the process continually, even at my age, of continuing to train myself to think the way he wants me to think, uh, for me to think. But, so, the battle for our minds. This is important because what we think determines how we live. What we think determines how we live. So, what we think informs our choices. So I'm just going to give you some just logical truth, okay? This is not even, you don't even have to read the Bible to know this, right? So, what we think or how we think informs our choices, all right? So, if you think you know better than your spouse, you're going to make choices towards your spouse that probably will cause some conflict because they think they know better than you. And so there's going to be conflict. If I think I'm responsible for my life, I'm going to make choices where I'm the one making the decisions for my life. If I don't think God controls my life, I'm not going to go to God for my life. I'm going to do what I think I should do because I'm the God of my life. Our lives are the sum of our choices. So the choices that we make Starting when we're young, and as we progress through life, the decisions I made as a kid have impacted me as a guy of 39 years old. <laughs> you don't have to laugh at that. I think I look pretty good for 39, thank you very much. All right, so the, the decisions I made, the, the thoughts I had, the things that I believed about myself have impacted me now in my 50s to be honest. All right. Practice makes perfect. Right? We've all heard that. All right? That's why I quit playing the piano. (laughs) I didn't want to to practice anymore. I didn't want to be perfect at the piano. Practice makes perfect. What you think about, how you think about things, what you tell yourself over and over and over and over and over and over again, you become very good at. I become very good. We become experts at what we believe about what we see around us, about what we think of ourselves. And people can tell us complete opposite of what we think of ourselves or completely opposite about what we think we see in life. And we're like, no, 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 I know better. Because we've trained ourselves. That can be a negative 
It could be a, a positive, depending on where we're at. In fact, Paul mentions this in Romans 8. He says, For the mind set on the flesh, now when he talks about the flesh, it's, it's basically me, without Christ, me thinking the way I want to think, me committed to me thinking that I know better than even God on circumstances, situations that I'm facing. So the mindset in the flesh is death. It means, that word means destruction. And so it's destruction of self, and it's destruction of my relationships. Because again, if I'm going to be the one making decisions, I'm going to go up against other people in my life who are going to make decisions for themselves as well. So now we're going to have a headbutting situation. And, and again, I mean, just look at our world. Right? Just look at the decisions people are making. Look at the decisions the government's making. Look at the decisions individuals are making. And look at the destruction that's happening, literally, physically, to people because of some of the decisions they're making. But the mind set on the spirit, the mind that's committed to thinking like God thinks, despite what we might be telling ourselves even, so the battle, when we say, no, 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 my way of thinking is, is wrong, it's sinful, it doesn't work, God's way of thinking is the way I need to go, that mind experiences life and peace. And so that means there's going to be some growth of self, growth of relationships. So if we want change, we want change in how we live, we need to change how we think, how, or what we choose to dwell on, how we view our life, the circumstances and the situations we face. Now you might be thinking, well, what's wrong with my mind? I'm a pretty smart person. I'm getting good grades, or I, used to, I got good grades, uh, I'm successful in my job, I'm raising a house, and I can, you know, I can do all that kind of stuff. What's wrong with my mind? Again, we go back to, what, to God, who's the one who created us, and what I want to look at this morning is, I want to look at what God says about the unbeliever's mind, the person who has not placed their faith in Christ, and what their mind is like, again, from the Creator, from God, and then the change that happens for a person who places their faith in Christ, who is a believer, who has a relationship with God. So first of all, the mind of the, uh, of the non-believer. Now, I'm not going to read every one of these verses, so you can grab the notes or you can go up on our podcast and get, you know, um, download the outline. You can take a picture of that, whatever you want to do. But here's one, two, three, four, six. There'll be a seven, but six. So a person who has not placed their faith in Christ, God says their mind is spiritually darkened. It means there's, there's no spiritual understanding. There's no light that comes on about seeing life through a spiritual way. Let me put it this way. Um, God's perspective of spirituality. I talked to somebody earlier this week, and they were saying to me, we were kind of, <clears throat> kind of working through one of their issues, and they're like, well, I guess, I guess you could say I've been thinking spiritually but not God spiritually. And I'm like, yes, you're right. You, you have a spiritualness about you, but it's not God. You know, it's not about what God says, pretty, which was really good for him to come up with that. It was great. Uh, our, a person who has a faith in Christ, their mind is depraved. means means it's morally corrupt. It, it can't really choose the right way to go, decisions to make. It's defiled or morally impure. Why can't it do the right thing because it's, its base is impure. It doesn't, it's going to be operating, which we'll see, from a prideful, selfish perspective. Colossians, Paul tells us that it's hostile to God. And again, look at the world around us. People are hostile 
to God and to what God wants. It's veiled or it lacks spiritual understanding again, kind of the same thing as point one. But that kind of relates to when the Bible's read or when they read the Bible, they don't really quite understand it because they're unable to understand spiritual things because they're not spiritual. And then added to that, Satan seeks to blind people. Um, and so what he does that is just through society and trying to keep us distracted and thinking that there's better ideas out there than what God has for us. So why does God describe our minds that way? So uh, we're just going to read something here just kind of explains it probably better than I could possibly do, obviously, because it's God's Word. So the Apostle Paul writes this, and God had him write this in Ephesians 2. This is a very familiar passage if you've been here at any length of time because this is such a great explanation. So he's talking to believers. He's talking to people who have placed their faith in Christ, and he's saying, hey, remember back prior to placing your faith in Christ. He says, you were dead. He's talking spiritually. You were dead spiritually in your trespasses and sins. You broke God's law. You were disobeying him, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. You just lived the way the world thinks. You were self-focused. Why? Well, it was according to the prince of the power of the year, which is talking about Satan. Why did God kick Satan out of heaven, out of his presence? Because Satan was prideful. He gave Satan an opportunity, and Satan's like, well, I want to be you. I want to be God. And so he's prideful. He was arrogant. And God can't have sin in his presence, so he kicks him out. But when we live that way, we're thinking like him. We're responding like he does. But a spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, so that's just the, the cultural mindset that we see in our world today, that people are just doing whatever they want to do. Among them, we too all formerly lived, before placing our faith in Jesus, in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, so doing whatever we thought we should do. You know, some of it's not, you know, really sick stuff. Some of it is. But a lot of it is just, just doing what I think I should do on an everyday situation, on everyday decisions. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So a person without Christ, they're destined to God's wrath, to spend eternity in hell. And so God's saying, listen, because, because you're spiritually dead, a person who hasn't placed your faith in Christ is spiritually dead, this is what happens. This is where your mind is at. This is Now, a, a non, non-believer, an unbeliever, um, they may have a sense that there's, there's right and wrong. We're getting less and less of that in our culture because as people move away from even believing there's a God over the last few decades, even more than ever, there's, there isn't even a battle in their minds. There isn't a sense of right and wrong. It's just whatever I want to do. Like Satan, most people today believe that they're the God of their life that they can make the decisions that they want to make. Again, that causes destruction. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into, I can get into some stuff right here and right now, but I'll just let you use your own intellect and ability to, to look at what you're reading about in the news and what you're seeing happening in our culture. And when you're seeing this happening in, in the whole gender discussion and the whole sexuality discussion, what is that? What that is, is people thinking that they're God. 
the God of their life because there is no God in their minds. And so they don't like something about themselves. They'll just think that that's not what's reality. And they'll try to change their reality. And so we have this tension and this angst. You know, it's just a great word. Just people are all welled up inside because when they start making those choices, they're realizing it's not helping. It doesn't help. It doesn't fix what's going on inside of me. The battle is still there. And again, that thinking has been, is destroying people. In some cases, destroying their physical lives. And certainly destroying them inwardly and destroying relationships. And if they don't get that fixed, if they don't really understand who God is and what He's done, it's going to destroy their eternity. But here's the great thing about God. And why you and us have placed our faith in Christ and why God has us in those people's lives. Look what Paul goes on to say. But God, being rich in mercy, anything connected to God is infinite. And so his mercy is infinite. It doesn't matter how bad you are, how bad you think you are. I had somebody uh, I was talking to this week, and he said that God couldn't forgive him because he's done some bad things. I said, have you killed Christians? No? All right. You're good to go. You can come to God. God will forgive you. He's like, why? Well, Paul killed Christians before coming to Christ. I thought it was a good example. You guys are kind of looking at me a little weird. But anyways, so being rich in mercy because of his great love, which is infinite, with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead in our transgressions, our sins, our disobedience to him, God made us spiritually alive together with Christ. Because by grace, as he's given us a gift, you have been saved. Saved from what? From our sin and hell. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. So at that moment of salvation, when you place your faith in Christ, it's as if you're already in heaven. Okay? That's how secure that relationship with God is through faith in Christ. That's just the Greek way of doing that is to say as if it's past tense, like it's already happened. Why did he do this for us? Not so much for us, but so, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. He wants to show us. He wants to show us his glory, how kind he is, how gracious he is, how merciful, how awesome of a God he is. For by grace, this gift, you have been saved through faith. In other words, believing what he says about what Jesus did on the cross. And that not of yourselves, you didn't do it, it's a gift from God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. He doesn't want us going up to heaven and go, yeah, yeah, I did this, this, this. I was a member of my church. I did, got baptized. You know, I gave money, and that's why I'm here. No, he wants everybody in heaven going, I'm only here because of how awesome God is. That's the whole point of him saving us. And now once he, we're saved... He wants to, us to become more like Christ. We're not going to get into that whole passage of Scripture, but that's ultimately what he's doing so that now we can represent him to the people in our lives who need to have a relationship with Christ. And so once he saves us, once he gives us spiritual life, now he can work on our minds. He can begin to change how we think. And by changing how we think, he's going to change how we live. And so I want to share several passages uh, verses that now we're going to kind of break these down a little bit. Um, and again, these are ones that you're going to have to put them up, take a picture of them, and study some more later. I'm going to just kind of move through these rather quickly. But this is how God describes the mind of a person who has placed their faith in Christ, a believer. 
The first one is 1 Corinthians 2.16. It says this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? So he goes back, Paul goes back to Isaiah and takes that, and he says, basically saying, no one can teach God anything. Now, for a, a lot, even as Christians, we think we can. I'm constantly telling God, you know, what the plan should be about us getting a, a, a new music guy here. I mean, it's great having Logan here. I appreciate him serving and doing that. I know he and uh, Courtney are not feeling real well today. and you know, I appreciate him continuing to do that on a volunteer basis. But I feel like, you know, we need to have some guy here. So I keep on telling God that. But, you know, you know it hasn't happened. But, you know, anyways. So who are we to instruct him? Who are we to tell God? You know, we know better than you do. All right? But... We have the mind of Christ. So when you place your faith in Christ and, and God saves you, He places God the Holy Spirit in your life. And in that sense, He gives you the mind of Christ. We can't teach God anything, but He can teach us a lot. And now that we have spiritual life, we can understand what He has for us. We can begin to think like Him. And we can begin to respond like Him. Because now, as we spend time with Him in the Word, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit's going to teach us and going to give us understanding. Time out. Just a, a quick um, promotion. We have our Grow class coming up in May. I think it's May 19th. Right, Kim? May 19th? Something like May 19th. Third week. Third week in May. The Grow class helps you understand how, 20th, how to uh, know the Bible. That's the biggest chunk of that class. We talk about prayer, fellowship, and giving too, but we spend a majority of time on how do I read the Bible and get something out of it. And so we go over that. And if you're not signed up for that, even if you've taken it before, take it again. Sign up for it. Church Center app, ohiograce.com, events, Northwood, grow class, sign up for it. Because I keep saying, you need to know God's Word. And I keep hearing people say, well, I, you know, I read it. I don't." Read it. Okay, well then you haven't taken a class. Because if you take a class, you'll be perfect at it. No, well, you'll have tools. You'll have tools. I won't go that far. I mean, I like to think I'm a good teacher, but I'm not that good. So, what is it that he's going to teach us? Well, he's going to teach us all about this new life. All the new life that we're supposed to live. Look what he says in Romans 6. Therefore, again, this is a person who has placed their faith in Christ... So in a spiritual sense, therefore we've been buried with him through spiritual baptism. Not, not water baptism, that's just a, what we did a couple weeks ago. That's just an outward expression of what God's already done. So through spiritual baptism into death, death to ourselves, so as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So once we place our faith in Christ, there is change that's going to happen. What's the change? We're going to look more like Jesus. We're going to think more like him. God's going to cause us to respond more like Him. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we should also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So we're going to die to ourselves, we're going to live for God. That's what he goes on and says. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. Uh, once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, not doing life the way you think you should do it, but alive to to God in Christ. You're going to be doing life the way God wants you to do it. And so that's this new life. This is what you're going to be learning. 
That's what you're going to be noticing when God says something in the Bible about how we should be living our life. You're going to be like, whoa, wait a second, that's not what I think. Right? Welcome to the battle. Because we think, and we've trained ourselves very well to think the way we think. I'll just give you one example. And I don't want, I'm only putting this on me not to be like, oh, Harold, you're so awesome. I'm putting it on me just so you know that I'm human. All right, pastors don't get into this next level where we're like superhuman. When I was younger, I was kind of chunky. I wore husky pants, if you remember the husky pants, right? I was the youngest of five boys, who, by the way, they were not slim either, but that's besides the point. But they told me all my growing up years that I was fat. They made fun of me for being fat. They used to hold me down and give me pink bellies. You ever have a pink belly? Don't. You guys are all thinking, oh man, don't do it. Your flesh is telling you to do that. Don't do it. They would hold me down, give me a pink belly. Because I thought it was, <laughs> anyway, well, I wasn't really slim. When I got into high school, I hit the weights hard. Actually, junior high. I started hitting the weights hard. And I remember looking at a picture of myself from my high school days. I don't have a whole bunch of them, but I, there was one. And it was me on a mission trip. We were hanging outside a tent where, we were, where the guys were sleeping. And I had my shirt off, which I rarely ever had my shirt off because I was fat. I actually had squares in my stomach. I had a, I mean, I was in shape. I was <laughs> just thinking. But I look at that and I don't recognize that guy. Why? Because I'm fat. Isn't that weird? That's just just a small area of a person's life. People train themselves to think much, much worse things that cause them to do much, much worse things in their life. And so God's trying to get us and train us to not think that way. To reveal to us where that battle is, where our thinking is wrong. And sometimes that's difficult for us to finally realize where we've been wrong. Again, that's, that's the battle. But the encouraging thing is, even the Apostle Paul, I'm doing a lot of Apostle Paul this morning, even he felt that struggle. You know, people say, the greatest Christian who ever lived, right? So look what Paul says in Romans 7. So right after Romans 6, he goes into Romans 7, and he says, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one, the believer, who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, that I'm spiritually alive through faith in Christ, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. So, So there's that battle going on. Wretched man that I am. You ever been there? Oh, Lord, why do I keep doing that? You know, it's just, ah, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. He goes into Romans 8. We're not going to do that today, but he goes into Romans 8 and he tells us, Here, here's, how we, here's how we get out of that. We set our minds, which you, like we read earlier, on the spirit and not on the flesh. And so we have this, this spiritual life now that we didn't have before but we're still in our sinful bodies. We still have our sinful tendencies. And so now there's a battle. We think we know better than God. We've trained ourselves 
to think we know better than God. Or maybe we're just ignorant because we haven't spent time in the Bible to even know what God says about how we're supposed to live life. Did I tell you about the grow class that's coming up in, in May? Because that would be a great class to take. If I haven't mentioned it, that would be a great class for you to take. I've had my phone on me. I'd see if you guys are signing up because I get emails letting me know when people sign up. But there's this, there's this battle. There's, I, I want to do it God's way because God's Holy Spirit's in us pulling us towards God, but then our own flesh wants what it wants. Peter showed this battle. I just thought this was kind of interesting. You know, we just kind of went through John, and we talked about Jesus, uh, crucifixion, resurrection, and stuff. So Jesus just told him, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. But look what Peter says, all right? Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him. He began to tell Jesus, you're thinking wrong, Jesus. God, you don't know what you're thinking. You're wrong. God forbid it, Lord. That's funny. Anyways, God forbid it. This shall never happen to you. In other words, why is Peter telling God that his plan, God forbid your plan. Anyways, it's funny to me. Whatever. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Peter. No, get behind me, Satan. Not that, Satan, not that Peter was possessed. He said, you're a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. You're thinking like Satan, Peter. Peter, a disciple, an apostle. Guy who helped start the church. Peter, did, Peter was ignorant. He didn't quite understand everything. Eventually he does. And every, his life changes. But in the meantime, he's saying, No, Jesus. God forbid that you, who came up with this plan should do what you think you should do. See, when we choose to do life our way, that's what we're doing. We're thinking like Satan. We're not thinking about God's interests. We're thinking about man's. Our interest. So how do we win the battle? Two more passages that we're going to look at. First one's this. Again, very familiar. Romans 12. It says, therefore, and again, everything he's talked about in the previous 11 chapters about how incredible salvation God's given us. Therefore, because God has saved us, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. In other words, we die to ourselves. We're still alive physically. We're dying to the way we think we should do life. We're, we're dying to what we want, which is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Our entire life is worship. I know some people get caught up and say, well, I want, to be in a worship. I want to be in the service for the worship. And they're talking about the music. Yes, that's worship. This is worship. What's going on in the other rooms serving, that's worship. Our fellowship is worship. Us walking out of this building, doing life God's way, that's worship. All right? It's all worship. And then he says, okay, so what's that going to look like? Well, first of all, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be guided by the way the culture looks at life. Which means, especially today, more than ever, we are going to be swimming upstream. Everyone's going in that direction, and there's going to be a few of us going in that direction. And we're going to look different. We're going to sound different. But be transformed. This is a, a passive tense. Something's going to happen to us. There's going to be a metamorphosis. Transformers. You know, we're going to change. We're not changing ourselves. It's something happening to us. God is doing it. How? By the renewal or renewing of our minds. 
We go ahead into the next one. So that by so you may prove or you test and you do that step by step what the will of God is. How am I supposed to live His way? That which or God's will, which is good and acceptable and perfect. God's will is is good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. But you'll never know it if you don't take a step of faith and try it and see Him at work. And so we're not to be conformed. We're not supposed to think the way the world thinks. To be molded and conformed by the culture, which we were up until the point we came to Christ. It might have been the culture of our home, but it, it, it's also the culture that we live in. The media, the social media, the schools, our friends, all that is conforming, is trying to conform us, but no longer. But we're supposed to have our minds renewed. Again, present tense. God's going to do something in and through us. He can do that now because it was the mind of Christ. Why? Because of God, the Holy Spirit, who is in us. And so he takes the old. This renew, renewed has this idea of remodeling. And that's really close to my heart. And I'm getting close with our back bedroom that's being redone, remodeled. Taking out the old. All the old junky two-by-fours and plaster and lath and knob and tube and getting rid of all that stuff and replacing it with Romex and new drywall that my wife loves to go sniff. There's one fault that she has. She sniffs drywall. (laughs) And uh, Anyway, she does. I can tell you stories. I won't. So, and and then I, once that's all done, the structure is set and the drywall's on, then we make it beautiful. You know, we put the paint on and the trim work. We make it effective. We put a toilet in the bathroom and a shower in the bathroom and we put a bed in the bedroom. And so God does that with us. He remodels us, takes the old stinking thinking and he replaces it with new. And then when we do that, then we take a step of faith, we test his will in the sense of a good testing, then our lives are transformed. We start living differently. Our lives look different. Okay, we have our part to play, so let me just read this real quick. So this is in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, So this I say, he's talking to Christians here, and affirm together with the Lord that you, believer, who's spiritually alive, walk, don't think and respond, you know, think and respond no longer just as the Gentiles, which he's talking about non-believers there. Um, Also, uh, don't walk like they walk, don't live life the way they live life, which is the futility of their mind. There's no value there's no, nothing good that comes from thinking like the culture around us. Remember? Because the mindset in the flesh is death. All right? But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him. In other words, if you're truly a believer and you truly are reading God's word and studying God's word and letting God's word into your heart, just as truth is in Jesus, so if you want to know how to truly live life, it's in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, the old way of, of thinking and of responding, which is being corrupted. If to continue to think that way, you're deteriorating your inner self. You're deteriorating the impact of the Holy Spirit in your life. In accordance with the lust of deceit, which, again, thinking the way a believer thinks is, is now to think a lie. An unbeliever thinks, to think like a lie. And that you be renewed, there's that word again, in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, this new life, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness. And so that's our part. We have to make a commitment. We have to say, okay, today is the day. I'm going to do what God's called me to do, despite what I might think 
about what he's called me to do. And again, it's not easy, but we can do it. We can do it if we spend time in God's word and let his word penetrate into our minds and our hearts. And then we take a step of faith, small ones at first, bigger ones as we move along. And we see him at work. We see him work through those situations. We see him change us. We see him change our situations, change our relationships. But that's, that's the battle we face. God's way or culture's way, my way, the way I used to think about life. We have to come back next week because we're going to look at some of these specific areas. But as we close, there's just some takeaways that I think we need to um, take care of. I'm not going to have the band come up at this time. Um, but we were going to close with a song, but we'll just close with these and then I'll pray. So the first one is this. Some of you might be here this morning and you're not a believer. You haven't placed your faith in Christ. Your, your takeaway from this needs to be that if you want to change the way you think, and if you want to see change in how you, your life is, that's your first step. So this is your first battle. Do I believe what the Bible says, what God says, or am I going to continue believing what I believe? And I, I can't make the decision for you. I've already made the decision, and I thank the Lord that I did. And so all that takes is for you to admit that you've sinned against him, those trespasses and sins, that you've disobeyed him. That, that you know that he says don't lie and you've chosen to lie, for instance, you know, something like that. So you just admit that you've sinned against him and that you're separated from him, that you're spiritually dead. Then believe that Jesus took your eternal judgment on the cross. He died in your place so you wouldn't have to go to hell. And he's powerful enough to do that because he's God. He's infinitely powerful. Then confess that you believe that to God. Confessing is just saying, God, I'm turning from my life and I'm going to turn to your life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm making that step in your direction. And he says that he'll forgive you of your sins, past, present, and future. He'll give you his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit then adopts you into his family. And now you're in his family for eternity. So he's here helping you in this life. And when you die, you spend eternity with him. And it, I've been putting this up. If you do that today, I'm not going to lead in a prayer. You, you just need to have a conversation with God, your heart to his heart. If you make that decision, I'd love to know about it. You can tell me. I'll be out in the lobby. You can write it on a Connect card and put that down. And if you want me to contact you and kind of help you get started, put your contact information down, and we'll make sure we do that. Believers, for us, we need to live the spiritual life God's given us. All right? That's what we need to do. Live it out. So God the Holy Spirit is there to teach and empower you and me. God's Word, the Bible, was given to teach you. Did I mention the grow <laughs> You have the responsibility to learn and take the steps of faith. And if you need help with that, I'd love to know it. I'd love to be able to sit down. Jason would love to sit down with you and just give you some practical things that you can do. Like take the grow class and learn what God wants for you. And then take those steps of faith and watch Him take over. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity once again to look into your word. Lord, thank you for being an awesome God who, who wants to be in our lives, who created us for relationship, and that we can know you. We can be certain of that, and we can see you at work in and through us. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that they would take that step of faith that they would choose to believe you over what they may even be telling themselves and that you would then show yourself faithful as you've promised to do and forgive them, forgive them of your sins and place God the Holy Spirit into their lives and adopt them into your family and give them that certainty of relationship. And then, Lord, for 
for them and for us, Lord, that we would continue to serve you, continue to know you, continue to seek you out in your word and taking steps of faith. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for